you we adore you we magnify you we need you father we need you right now we need your power we need your presence we need your anointing lord we're about to hear the word we're about to receive the word touch our hearts and our minds and our spirits lord touch us god to receive touch us open our hearts to god that we might let the word become planted within our soul our minds open it, God, that we might understand. Our ears, that we might hear. Our eyes, that we might see. Remove the scales. Oh, God. Remove the scales of religion and tradition from our eyes. Let us see the Word. Let us fall in love with your Word, God. What is true? What is true? Father, we love you. We praise you. We adore you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a beautiful spirit of the Lord in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Titus, chapter 2. And we will be reading verses 11 and 12. And uh, we have been, this will be the, I think the third, maybe fourth Sunday that we have been speaking about grace and uh, we have learned so many things, and we are trying to get a, a biblical understanding, a biblical perspective of what grace is, and not what, not what the world, religious world, has turned it into. When we, when we understand what grace is in God's Word, it will strengthen us, and we will have a better understanding of what Titus was talking about uh, when he tells us that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto, uh, unto all men. And we want to receive that. While you're turning there, um, I do want to mention again our, our new envelopes. You can pick them up. I also want to mention that uh, we have our invite cards. So we have printed thousands of invite cards. The ushers will have that or the greeting desk will have that out. Uh, on top of the desk, just get you uh, 10 or 15 of those so that you have something to hand out when you talk to someone about coming to church and uh, the times and the place and everything is on there. Uh, it's, it's our brand new designed uh, invite cards. And then um, I want to mention this very, very important May 19th, which is not this coming Sunday, not a week from today, but two weeks from today. Uh, foundational life classes are going to begin at 10 a.m. If you've never been through those, please, please come at 10 o'clock. Get your family. Go through these classes. They will bless you in every area of your walk with God. They will bless you. They cover all of these areas. One more time, in the vestibule is a, um, a, 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 one of those things you sign up on, sign up sheet. And uh, if you want to be at the financial uh, seminars at 5.30 this evening, and then again next week uh, at 5.30 in the evening as well, uh, we want to uh, make sure that you're able to be there. So if you haven't signed it up yet, put your name, put your number, put your email so that we can get an email out to you this afternoon and maybe even a text with the information. Whew, that's needed. I feel like I've already preached. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and again to our guests, welcome. We're so thankful that you are here. We pray that you will let the Lord speak to you through the word of God today. For the grace of God 
that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And what does grace do? If you have your Bibles open, yell out what the first two words of verse 12 is. Teaching us. And I know we're used to the, the signs. I'm so sorry. Uh, they'll be up next week. Share someone's Bible or phone that they're reading with throughout the service. There's going to be a lot of scripture that's going to be used. For the grace of God bring us salvation appear to all men. Teaching us to do what? Deny ungodliness, worldliness, or worldly lust. Teaching us what? That we should live soberly, righteously, godly. Where? In this present world. That means it doesn't matter what kind of world you live in. Whatever your generation has brought into your world. The grace of God can give you the power and ability to live godly, righteously, and soberly in your present world. We can even narrow that. Not just our generation, but how about your home? Some of us live in ungodly homes. It's not your fault. Parents aren't in church. Siblings, whatever it may be. God's grace will be with you and give you the power and ability to live godly and soberly in your world. Wherever that may be. My Lord, that ought to encourage you. We're sinned at the bound. Father, help us, touch us, speak through us, minister today. Everybody say amen. Turn to two or three people and tell them, but for the grace of God. Lord bless you, you may be seated. It's 12-11. I will do my best to be done at 1 o'clock. I want to do just a little bit of review to sort of catch you up, but it's impossible for me to cover everything and still get to what I believe the Lord wants to talk about today. And I encourage you to go to the either our, um, our YouTube channel, Sanctuary of the Palm Beaches, or to the website, sanctuarypb.com, and go to the podcast and listen to uh, the messages on grace so that you can catch up to where we are and what God is speaking to our hearts. This word, this word grace, when you break it down, basically its Greek meaning uh, is the influence of God upon your life. Divine influence upon your heart is the grace of God. We found out that the grace of God is not passive. It is, it is active. Now the world will tell you that the grace of God is the unmerited favor of God in your life. 
First of all, that is not a biblical definition. It is not Greek or Hebrew or any other foreign language. You might want to look up its biblical name in. That is a man-made term to try to grasp an understanding. It's perfectly fine. You and I certainly do not deserve God's grace. Amen? Or His mercy. So yes, it is certainly the unmerited uh, grace of God that, you know, uh, favor of God that comes into our life. But they try to take grace and they try to make it to where that no matter how you live or what you do, that you're always covered by the grace. I'm sorry, I wish that was true, but it's just not Bible. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Pastor needs a little help. Engage yourself. Don't let me just speak to you. Engage yourself into the, into the Word of God. God expects you and I to do our part in the Word of the Lord. And I'm going to prove that to you scripturally. The grace of God is not passive. It is active in your life. It is active in my life. There is another definition that says that it is the causality of my walk with God. That means the grace of God comes into my life and it begins to teach me and show me how to live, how to walk godly, how to be soberly in an in a unsober, drunken, sinful world. And so we continue. We find out that in the Old Testament, the only place in the Old Testament where the word grace is used under this same type of definition that it's used in the New Testament was in the book of Ezra, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. We find out there that grace gives us space. Everybody say, grace gives me space. And so grace comes into your life and it brings recognition into your life about something you're doing wrong, some, some sin or attitude or some way of life, some immorality that may be in existence. God doesn't come judge you. God brings grace to you. And God comes to you in His love and His compassion. And He begins to reveal to you the things that are not right in your life. And then He gives you a space to begin to work on that and to begin to fix that. He washes you with His blood, forgives you of your sins, and then He begins to help you with His power to overcome sin that is in your life. Why? Because He calls us out of darkness into His marvelous light. He said, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto Myself, He said. He wants to come out of the old ways. The old man dies. We rise into the newness of life. We do away with the old carnal mind, and we take on the new mind of spiritual. We walk not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of spirit, that we fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Come out from among them, he says. And so he comes into our life and he begins to work with us in his mercy and in his grace. And every day he begins to teach us and show us and give us that power and that ability to live godly in this world. Grace brings space. 
He gives us that time, but we don't need to miss that time of visitation. The Bible makes it plain that when he visits us, we need to respond to that. We need to react to that. We need to cleave to that and begin to do the things that God wants to do in our life. He doesn't only give us grace, but he gives us the ability. And then, the, and then he also gives us that sure foundation in which we can walk upon. The Bible says that, that grace does what? It brings salvation we learn that this word here it's one word bringeth salvation it means to uh, protect us until it gets us out of danger I love that I love that definition I love that God put that in there that's the Lord's way of saying I'm going to come into your life and I'm never going to leave you I'm never going to forsake you I'm going to be with you to the ends of the world I'm never going to stop teaching you I'm never going to stop loving you I'm never going to stop helping you I'm never going to stop forgiving you I'm going to be there for you and we're going to walk this path together and I'm going to protect you until you make it all the way to the end why? because he that endureth unto the end the same shall be saved And so the grace of God comes into my life. It comes into your life. And it begins to walk with us every day. And it begins to show us things that I did yesterday that I didn't know was wrong. God shows me today an attitude, a feeling, a thought, a frame of mind that was with me yesterday. And I was unaware of it. God reveals it to me today. Every day he shows a little more. Every day he brings me a little closer. Every day he brings me down that trail with him, that path of of life a little further why because he's trying to create me to be in his image why so that men might see my good works and glorify the father that is in heaven it's not about us it's about him God have mercy. he saves me then he cleans me up because I need to be a bright light in a dark world Men are to be able to look upon you and know there is a God in heaven who can transform a life. Take heartache and pain and disaster. Turn it all around. Bring love and peace and hope into a life that has no hope. The grace of God does that. We are the only epistle that some men will ever read. You're the only Bible that they will ever see. You're the only Jesus that they will ever hear. And God transforms our lives through his grace that men may appear upon his glory and be attracted unto him and be drawn to him that men may be able to see God can change you. God can heal you. God can bless you. God will help you oh let's clap our hands to the lord and give god praise let's take a moment right now to praise him jesus we love you we praise you we adore you thou art worthy oh god with grace comes obedience and noah found In the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says God proclaimed upon this world a death sentence. That death sentence was written in stone, if you please. God said in 120 years, 
the life of man will be taken off the face of the earth. Every man, every animal, I'm going to wipe it out. But right after God makes that proclamation, the Bible tells us Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know what grace did for Noah? Oh, yeah, grace, this is what the world will tell you. Grace came to Noah and said, everything's going to be okay, Noah. You just keep living like you're living. You just keep doing what you're doing. Go about your daily life. Don't worry about anything. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. No, I'm going to tell you what grace did. Grace walked into the life of Noah. And grace said, I want to let you know something. There's sin upon this planet. It's become a stench in my nostrils. I'm going to wipe it off the face of the earth. I'm going to tell you what grace did. Grace said to Noah, you go get some gopher wood. You get an axe. You begin to build a boat. Pitch it without, pitch it within. 300 feet long, 35 feet high, 50 feet wide. That's what grace does in your life. Grace doesn't leave you in sin. Grace tells you how to be delivered. Grace tells you how to save your family. Grace comes to you and says you better build a boat. There's a flood coming. There's an onslaught coming. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to fast. You need to get in my word. You need to change your ways. You need to walk right. You need to begin to live godly and holy. Come on, somebody. Why? I'll tell you why. The wrath of God is coming upon a world that is lost and undone. There are things we must do. That's what grace does. Grace don't say keep living like you're living. Grace says get off. You fill in the blank. Get an axe. And begin to go to work. You know, we spend 30 years messing our life up. And we expect God to come in and just fix everything. While we do nothing. If God did that for us, we would all die and go to hell. Because we would never learn anything. We would never learn how to stand on our own feet. We would never learn how to stare the devil down in the face and say, I'm covered with the blood. Get out of my family. Get out of my home. Get out of my children. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my finances. Get out of my health. You learn that because God comes into your life and the Bible says he begins to teach you how to fight. He makes you the aggressor. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Gates are stationary. Gates don't move. That means it must be the church that's on the march. It's the church that's on the move. Grace comes into our life 
begins to work with us. And when that little devil shows back up, you're able to whoop around and say, not today, buddy. I've learned about your deception. I've learned about you. You're not doing it today. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give God praise. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. For we are his workmanship. You're God's ark. God built you. He's still working on you. God workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh oh, here comes Christian cuss words to the Christian world. I'm telling you. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Well, you can't be saved by works. I'm not trying, talking about earning my way into heaven. I'm talking about now that I'm saved, I'm going to get up and do something about what the devil has done in my life. And I'm going to do it through the power of the word. And I'm going to do it through prayer. And I'm going to do it through the spirit. But I'm going to go to work. I had works of evil. Now it's time for works of righteousness. Which God, watch me, Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus, me and you, how, what, for what? Unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we, that's me and you, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. That we should walk in them. Walk in what? Good works. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's time to go to work. Come on, tell him it's time to go to work. That's the problem with the church today. We are not working for the kingdom. That's too weak. You're too weak. You have to praise through this. You got to break through your flesh. Come on. The only way to receive it is to praise him. Praise him for his word. It's the only way to break through this thing. I don't want to get sidetracked on that. So we're just going to let the word be enough. Romans 5 and 20. Even so might grace. Everybody say grace. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. He goes on and says from Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 23. Now notice what Paul said in, in Romans 5. He said that grace might reign how? Through righteousness. How does grace reign in you? How does everybody know that God is truly in control? That grace is in your life. It's through righteousness. 
You change the way you talk. You change the way you walk. You change the way you think. You change where you go. You change what you do. You change everything about you. Changes when grace comes in. He says in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 23. I'm not going to read those. I'm just going to kind of pull through them. But I'm pulling out of the scriptures here. Your homework, you can read them when you get home. And so Paul says, Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. He goes on to say, neither yield your members as instruments unto unrighteousness, unto sin. Know ye not, he says, that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants or ye whom ye obey. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of Paul says which was delivered to you even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness that's grace we live in a rigid religious world today where men are lying to their flocks they are deceiving them they fear their faces because of money because of power prestige and position and they are not delivering this word to them so they might hear and have an opportunity to obey the word of God I'm telling you we must live righteous and holy in this world. Come on, let's praise him for a moment. Send up some praise. Send up some praise. Don't let the devil come in here. Don't let the devil whisper. Come on. I need to hear praise. Everybody say doctrine. I remember we started a church in Lake Charles, my wife and I. We were under the leadership of my pastor, Brother Allen. And the uh, African-American community was not being reached. There were 15 churches in Lake Charles. They were running three, four hundred apiece. But there were only a few of the African American brethren. By the way, my wife and I met our first Jamaican in Lake Charles. It was a wild experience. He's nothing like most of you. He is like some of you. So uh the Lord called us, and we began to work. And I remember the, the church that we bought it from. So, uh, what do you call those? I guess charismatic, but I'm not trying to throw a name out. I, just uh, uh, non-denominational is what I was trying to say. And so the preacher was there, was in the car, and, and I'm just describing to you what the facts are. Okay, so I'm not making anything up here. And he's in the car, and... He has long hair, 
And the only thing I can think of is the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. But I wasn't there to preach to him. Anyway, so we, uh, boy, that went over like a lead balloon. But we'll get on it later with Scripture. And so you want all the word or you want part of the word? You just want a little bit of the word or do you want all of the word? You want to live for God the way he wants you to live for him? Or do you want to try to live for God the way you want to live for God? Are you interested in being a comfort zone or are you interested in being a child of God? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Because when I get done preaching, it is not my job to legislate. To les- what is that word? Legislation. Legislate. It's not my job to tell you to watch over you and make sure you do what you're supposed to do. That's what legislation means. It's your job to go home and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before God. It's my job to deliver you the word of God unadulterated, unfiltered. You got to take that word, bring it home. Digest it. Let God apply it to your life. He sat in that car. He sat in that car and he said, he said, you'll never build a church here. I said, I said, why is that? He said, because you preach doctrine. He said, no one's ever going to listen to doctrine. You can't preach, you can't preach about sin, son. Calls me son. You can't preach about sin. You just preach about the love of Jesus and leave people alone. Let them figure it out on their own. I said, I'm not going to stand before God, having been called to preach his word, and not obey that command in my life. I said, you're crazy. He said, you'll, you'll never, it'll never happen. You'll fold. It'll never happen. The first year, we prayed through 325 people in that altar. I'm telling you, God blew the doors off of that thing. By the end of the second year, we had a membership of 235 people. Lives were changed, reaching out for God, serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I preached this same doctrine to drunkards, harlots, homosexuals, lesbians, drug addicts, immorality, bestiality, child molesters, wife beaters. God changed their lives, turned them around by the power of the Word of God. I'm not going to help you if I get up here all limp-wristed and preach you some sissy doctrine that tickles your ear. I'm going to help you if I get in your life, if I preach the Word of God to you, if I show you God's Word, then you've got something to handle. You've got something to deal with. So this kind of preaching that's going to make real Christians who aren't going to be afraid to talk about Jesus when they walk outside these doors, when your life has been turned around from disaster and God is working in you, it'll put a boldness and a brassness and a strength in you because you'll know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One more time, can we praise him together? Can you love him? 
I got to continue. First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 through 16. Actually beginning with verse number 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired. Searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Everybody say grace. He goes on to say for the grace that is to be brought unto you. Comes to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now watch what he says in the next verse. But as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy. Watch. In all manner of conversation. That word is not talking about just the words that come out of your mouth. That word is behavioralism. That word deals with every aspect of your life. How you behave, how you act, how you speak, how you think, everything you do. He said, as he's holy, so be you holy. Where did he draw this from? He drew it from the previous verse. Because the grace of God has come to you. Don't mock grace. Don't mock God's grace in your life. By continuing in your sin. I'm not saying that when grace comes to us, we're perfect the next day. There's not a one of us perfect in this building. But every single day, God continues to teach us. And we draw a little closer. But this I will say. If you've been living for God for any length of time, there are things that you used to do in your life that you do not do anymore. Can I get an amen? Has anybody laid some things down? Has anybody come out of that old way of living into a new way of living? That comes by grace. Grace teaching you how to live. Grace teaching you. And so he said, he said, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. Verse number 16, for it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. Titus chapter 2, 11, it has appeared unto all men. And I've got some scriptures here where it talks about basically that Christ has come to save the world. Isaiah 45 and 22. Isaiah 52 uh, and 10. John uh, 1 and 9. That was the true light which lighteth up every man that cometh into the world. Colossians 1 and 6. Which is coming to you as in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. Since the day that ye have heard of it and knew that the grace of God in truth. That's come to you. We read, or in, the, in our previous teachings, we talked about how that the word of the Lord says that the law came by Moses, but that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so the religious world will, see, will say, see, the law's been done away with. Are you kidding me? What do you think truth is? Why don't you read the Bible? I don't know how many times, 100, 150 times? The Bible calls his law truth, especially in Psalms 1 and 19. Huh? The law is truth. 
Right? And so Moses delivered the law. But Jesus delivered the law by grace. Grace and truth. And she said, well, prove that scripturally. That's simple. We talked about it, I believe, last week. They grabbed the holy woman. They threw it down in front of Jesus Christ. They said, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? We know the story. He writes in the ground. Everybody gets convicted. They all walk away. Jesus arises and he looks at the woman. And he says, woman, where are thine accusers? She said, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn thee, grace. Grace. Neither do I condemn thee, grace. Grace. Grace and what? Truth came by him. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He did not justify her sin. He didn't say it was okay. Adultery is against the law. It is wrong. It is sin. You must stop. You can't do it. But I forgive you. Grace and truth. Jesus said, I haven't come to do away with the prophets and the law. I have come to fulfill them. You know, you don't have to read much of the Bible to find out those people are lying. Now, I would prefer to say that they are ignorant. But in order to say that, I must also say they don't read the Word of God. So if they're not reading God's Word, what business do they have preaching His Word? I know this is tough, but this is going on YouTube, and I hope 100,000 preachers hear it. Because I'm going to tell you the greatest thing that can happen in this country is for preachers all over this world to wake up to this truth that there is one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. These guys can wake up. God can fill them with His Spirit. They can get the revelation of the one God. They can begin to preach this truth. And revival will spread across this country throughout congregations of every denomination. So Titus 2 and 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodly is word of lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Everybody say, teach. That word teach there, it means to train up like you would train a child. It means to educate. It means to discipline. What does grace do? It comes into your life. It comes to teach you like you're just a child. Why? Because you're born again. Paul the apostle said we cry Abba Father like little bitty babies and the grace of God enters into our life. It begins to educate us and it disciplines us. When things are wrong, it corrects us. Yes it does. The Bible tells us the reason why I chasing you is because you are my sons and you are my daughters and I love you you know what the religious world is calling their saints I can't even say it it's so bad God will not discipline you God will not correct you God will not chasten you live however you want to live the grace of God will cover all of that no the Bible calls you something 
It says, if you want to be my son and my daughter, you will accept my chastening. Listen, watch. He said, it's not fun right now, but oh, later down the road, you're going to be so thankful. God came into your life and began to work upon your heart and upon your life and upon your family. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give me praise, everybody. Every man, every woman, clap your hands. So what does grace do? It's one I want to talk about for a few minutes. Grace comes and it teaches us. It educates us. It disciplines us. To do what? To deny ungodliness. That word deny means to contradict. That means everything I used to do in my old life, grace comes into my life and says, I am now a contradiction to the old way. I am polarized in the opposite. What I used to be, I'm the opposite. Paul the Apostle put it this way. The things I used to love, I now hate. And the things I used to hate, I now love. I used to love worldliness and I hated holiness. Now I hate worldliness and I love holiness. I used to love to drink liquor. Now I hate it. But I do love to drink the Spirit. I used to love to dance at disco. When I was young, I could do the split. Yeah, I split now. It ain't coming up. Do the split, come up, shake around, do the elbow, dance and holler. Hair would fly, just loving it all. I hated those holy rotors. I hated everything about God. I didn't want to know about God. But when God came into my life, I am a contradiction to the way I used to live. I am the opposite of what I used to do. I am the opposite of how I used to think. I am the opposite. Can you not get a hold of this? Somebody tell me how they can preach that when God comes into your life, you can stay in the old way. You can still do the old things. Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. I'm free not, friend. Grace makes you a contradiction to your old way of life. Power of the Holy Ghost. Grace flows you through the, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Grace is your teacher. The Holy Ghost is your teacher. Grace enters into your life through the power of the Spirit. That word means to contradict. It means to disavow. Cut off. Cast off. To disavow. It means to reject. To renounce. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Listen, we don't think like God. 
God's thoughts are foreign to us. When we're living in the world, we're comfortable with everything that's going around us. But when God comes into our life, these things change. God walks into you. He begins to change. He begins to change everything about you. You said, you say, well, I wasn't all that bad of a person. I'm going to tell you what. There are some people out there that are pretty good people. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't do any of these immoral things. They actually live a pretty good life, pretty decent life. So, you know, what do they need to be converted unto? Out of their self-righteousness into his righteousness. Because, listen, whether it's in your heart or not, it doesn't matter. If you're doing works outside of God, it is self-righteousness. That's why you can't be saved by works. But if your work is within God, it's no longer a work. It is an obedience. And obedience brings the glory of God into your life. And people see that glory and they are drawn to him through your and my obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's no longer a work. It is, it is an obedience. Verse number 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways my thoughts, than your thoughts. As the rain cometh down from the snow and the heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it to bring forth and bud. Listen to this, that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void, shall not turn unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall Prosper the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come at the fir tree. Instead of the brow shall come at the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name for everlasting. A sign that shall not be cut off. And all of this comes through the grace of God. He said, when you turn from your wicked ways and begin to walk in my ways, you can only do that by his grace, by his love, by his mercy. Any goodness, any work, any righteousness outside of God is self-righteousness. It is not seen or accepted before the Lord. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. Isaiah tells us that when we get in him and we begin to work in the kingdom unto him in, in obedience unto him it becomes righteousness unto him a few more minutes are you still with me grace gives us power to live righteous by instructing us but we have to be willing to be obedient what do they do with these scriptures anyway Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said unto the disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That sounds like a pleasure ride to you. Now, you and I aren't very familiar with the cross, but those disciples were very familiar with the cross. They might not have realized at that moment that their own Lord was going to die on one, but they had witnessed hundreds of crucifixions. 
And when God said, you have to pick up your cross and follow me, I could stay on that for a little while. But there's, there's just a little history in all of this. And, and when they, uh, many men, not just the Lord. You know, the Bible says about the Lord and the burden of the cross upon him. And uh, how Simon, I believe it was, that came uh, there with the cross. But Jesus wasn't the only one. There were many men that fell uh, the, beneath the load uh, of the cross. And others would have to come and help that cross be carried to the, to the foot of the hill or wherever it is they're going to be crucified. But here the Lord is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and you must carry your cross. Paul tells us in Corinthians, having therefore these promises, everybody say promises. This is where the religious world stops. Oh, give me the promise. Give me the promise. Give me the promise. Give me healing. Give me blessing. Oh, yes. Give me houses. Give me cars. Give me money. Give me all of these things. And give me popularity. And help me do this. And oh, the blessings, the blessings, the blessings. And I'm not mocking all of that. All of that is true. And all that's good. And I want it all. He said, I will give you blessings, but it will come with persecution. Though that was the words of Jesus. Paul says here, the having therefore these promises, having therefore the promises of God that are in our life, dearly beloved, let us cleanse. Oh, no, what? Let us cleanse ourselves. You mean after the Holy Ghost comes into my life, after I am forgiven of my sins, after I am cleansed by the blood, there is still a work that I must do in my own life. I must examine myself. I must look into my own heart. How do I even know what is right and wrong? When I lived in the world, I didn't know. But now God has written His law across my heart through the infilling of the power of the Holy Ghost. And now I can examine myself and I can see my attitude, my ways, my actions. And I can begin through his power, his blood, his love to cleanse myself. I am here to tell you, Noah, if your family is going to be saved, there is a work you must do. I'm not preaching to sinners right now, neither is Paul. I'm preaching to saints. I'm telling you that you and I who were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, doing our best to live a holy life before Him, we need to re-examine our hearts and our life, and we need to begin to cleanse ourselves, the Bible says. Watch this, from what? From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Doing what? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now the religious world will tell you that the only thing that needs to be cleansed is your spirit. And the flesh doesn't matter. It's going to die. It's going to fade away. It's going to turn to dust. It doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. He said cleanse yourself both in your flesh and in your spirit. Get your spirit right and get your flesh right. Because listen, folks, it's just simply the way it is. What is in here will come out. And so we must cleanse the spirit. But Jesus said if the inside of the cup is clean, the outside's going to be clean as well. 
Pharisees were cleaning just the outside, right? He said, you hypocrites, sepulchers of, of, of full of uh, white uh, uh, starch bleached bones. He says, that's what you are. You're dead men walking. You're just cleaning the outside. You, you're, you're just a hypocrite. You're just a showboat. That's all you are. He said, I t- Jesus says, I'll tell you what. If you'll cleanse your heart, your outside will be cleaned already. Oh, you know, continue to live in sin. Continue to dress like a harlot. Continue to dress in a lustful way. And I know I'm hitting hard things here today. Continue to live in an ungodly fashion. And then look at me and say, but I'm clean in the heart. No, you're not. You're calling Jesus a liar. Jesus said, if your heart was clean, your flesh would clean up as well. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. You want to know what we're persecuted for? The apostolics? We're not persecuted because we believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not persecuted even because we baptize in the name of Jesus. We're persecuted because we have taken the time to cleanse our flesh. And so as a child of God, we walk out in this world amongst them who also claim to be Christians. And they look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, eat like the world, drink like the world. They do everything like the world. Nothing about them changed. Yet they call themselves Christians. And here comes the apostolic who has cleansed themselves inside and out. And we begin to condemn them because from their own eyes, they behold the image of Christ. And what God desires for I wish I had some help in here. Are there any apostolics in the house? And I'm not using that word as a as a denomination. I'm using that word as a as a lineage of the apostles. And what they taught in the word of God. He said, cleanse your spirit. Cleanse your flesh for what? Perfect holiness. In Ephesians 4 and 22, he said that. He said, put off concerning the former conversation or the way you used to behave. The old man, he said, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. He said to the Corinth, uh, to the Colossians in 3 and 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil conspicuousness, and covetousness, and idolatry. And ungodliness and worldly lust. He said, Get those things out of your life. Get them out of your heart. Clean up your spirit. Clean up your flesh. Walk godly in an ungodly world that men may glorify your Father. Let's lift our hands and love Him. I know this is tough preaching, but it'll save you. He said, live soberly. Stay with me. It's one o'clock. Stay with me. Come on. You without a movie, you'd sit three hours through that movie. You wouldn't get up to go to the bathroom if you was in a movie. Word of God, get all up in you, get you all antsy. I drank too much coffee, baby. I'm sorry. He said, soberly. That's just what grace does. Grace comes to teach us to live godly and to live soberly. Now, I'm preaching to you the word. That word soberly means to be self-controlled. It means to, to do things in 
moderation. The flesh. Deuteronomy tells us in 22 and 5. And this is where we separate the women from the men. Or the men from the men, I guess, I should say. I promise you, the word of God, the word of God is, is, is a divider. Jesus said, you think I come to bring peace on this earth? He said, he said, I have come to turn son against father, daughter against mother, mother against daughter, father against son. I have come to turn friend against friend, parent against parent. I've he said, my word will divide everything. Those that follow me will cleave. Those that don't, division will come. The word brings division. We have to make up our mind. Do we want to live like him? Listen, I saw something just recently. I got a few more minutes. Will you stay with me? Will you stay? Will you all stay with me? I was talking to a brother, and uh, he's working now with another organization. He's an apostolic brother, working with another organization. He's the son of one of these pastors. In fact, he's the son of the, the bishop that's over all of the, over all of the um, churches in the area. And we worked with him for a few years, and, and so they called and asked him, would you come and, come and be our bishop? And this other organization, it's apostolic in some ways, but not in others. And one of those is uh, holiness, uh, outward uh, uh, holiness. And so, and then other areas as well. And he said, I will. He said, but you will adhere to the word of God as I preach it. And I'm, he was talking to the leadership, your leadership. And if you do not adhere, you want me to be your bishop. If you do not adhere to what I am preaching, then I will resign. The day you stop. And I got a little video clip. I couldn't believe it. The main bishop had wore dreads for 60 years. That's six zero. And this brother that this church right here had worked with, this brother showed him in the scripture where the Bible says that God does not want long hair on men. It's a shame. And so, it's in Corinthians chapter 11, by the way. So, they show this clip. He's sitting up on the platform in his chair. He's crying. And he says to the congregation, Are you ready to serve God and quit serving man? Point to himself. And while he was saying that, they were cutting his dreads. And you could hear it go through the congregation they were all taking deep breaths. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And he was saying, from this day forward, we're, we are not doing it man's way. We are doing it God's way. And that's the kind of revival. 
That is the kind of revival that I'm talking about. That entire organizations, bishops and men of other churches and congregations are going to receive this truth. And they're going to get revelation. And entire congregations are going to flip. This isn't about building our local congregation to run a thousand or two thousand. This is about spreading this gospel across this entire county, this state, this nation, and this world. Clap your hands to the Lord. So the Bible wants us to clean this up inside and out. So what, is, what does the word of the Lord say? I'm just going to read scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5. The Bible talks about women wearing things that uh, 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 pertaineth to a man. And it talks about uh, men wearing things that uh, pertain to a woman. L- listen, let me tell you something. What, what the devil and what the world is doing today. It is trying to steal the identity of men and women. It is trying to turn women manly, and it's trying to turn men womenly, if that's a word, or girlishly, or feminine, feminine, femininely. And and this is the attack that is on the human race. Because the Bible says in the beginning, he created them male and female. And there is a direct order in God's word that he expects for his kids to follow and to line up with and to stay with. You don't mess with the identity that God has given man. Listen, that devil is not ignorant. He knows if he takes away the masculinity of a man, the family is going to fall apart. It's going to crumble and the church will be destroyed. He knows if he takes away the femininity from a woman, there'll be no one there to support and love that man and encourage him and give him strength in a time of weakness. We need both. I'm sorry my voice is going a little bit. But listen to Pastor. The greatest women liberator that ever existed was Jesus Christ. When he came to this world, he said in the spirit, there is neither male nor female. When you come before God, woman, your prayers are powerful. Your life is powerful. Everything about you is powerful. You can move mountains. You're incredible. You're mighty. But when When it comes to the flesh, God has man, woman, children. This hierarchy gives strength to the family unit, gives us power over the devil, keeps families together, gives us strength in the church to conquer the evil that is in this world. Come on, apostolics, break away from it. Don't get caught up in that. We'll do, we'll do marriage counseling later. But I want to tell you something. Men, if you love your wife the way you're supposed to love them, they won't have a problem submitting. The problem is we need to become lovers the way Christ loved the church, the Bible tells us. And women, if you will submit, then the man will love. Uh, I don't... 
The bottom line, what I'm talking about here is Satan and the world is trying to rob this. All you got to do is watch media. Look what's happening in the sports world. They look foolish. Men are putting on dresses and, and saying, I'm a woman. Now, I'm not trying to be funny. This is what's happening. I'm a woman. And because he identifies that he is a woman they have written their foolish ungodly laws that you can proclaim to be whatever you want to be in your own mind and you can discard how God created you and men are joining women's sports and they're taking all the world's records why? because they're men morons because they are men and men are stronger than women physically. Not so much mentally. <laughs> but physically, the world, the, the, the foolishness of this is coming out. It's foolish. God proclaimed it in His Word. But I'm going to tell you why some women have to be men. Because men are being women. You won't fight the devil. You won't stand up for your family. You won't bring the word of God into your house. You're not the priest of your home. You're not leading your home spiritually. And women have to step up and do your job. God said it's an abomination in his sight for a woman to act like a man, to even wear anything that pertaineth to a man, and for a man to act like a woman and to wear things that pertain to a woman. It is an abomination in the sight of God. The apostolic church, we can't back down to this. We, we, can't, we can't hide in a corner somewhere. world is... The world is going to hell a hundred miles an hour and it doesn't look like anything that can stop it. And the only thing between them and a burning fire is a church that has made up their mind that we will live godly and soberly and righteously in an ungodly world. I want to know, are you part of that? Let's stand. Are you part of that? Let's everybody stand across this congregation. God, we love you, we praise you. We love you, we praise you, we love you, we praise you. We love you, we praise you. We adore you. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 talk about the man and the woman and how we should behave ourselves and how we should dress. Here in this word, he said, In all like manner also women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel. Listen, listen, ladies, men are lustful beasts. It's in their nature. And you can say, well, I can dress how I want. They shouldn't lust after me. That's not even possible. If you dress ungodly, they're going to lust after you. And my book, my Bible, your Bible tells us that if you cause them the sin over you, that way the sin is on you. I don't want to be ugly and I'm trying to be as kind as I can. But quit showing off the merchandise if it's not for sale. 
Get it off the shelf. Listen, especially if you're married. You dress lustful and you're married, you are an adulterer. You're married and you're a man and you dress ungodly and immodest and lustful, you are an adulterer. Now, if you dress right and they still lust over you, that's their problem. There are wackos out there. To my guests, I only handle this once a year. But I am not going to let this church go to hell. It ain't going to happen. I was told years ago, you can't preach that truth and build a church. I will build the greatest church in Palm Beach County by preaching that truth. Because one thing I have learned in the last few years, they're tired of religion. They're tired of hypocrisy. They're tired of the mess that's out there. They want somebody to preach the word of God to them that will change their life. God don't want us dressing like the world and looking like the world. You don't deck yourself out. The Holy Ghost decks you out. You put so much world on you, God can't get through. They're so busy looking at your diamonds and rubies and everything else on you, they can't see God. Bible tells me, ladies, take that off. Let God shine through. And every man that looks at you will say, that is one of the most beautiful women I have ever seen in my life. Not in a lustful way, in a godly way. And guys, you need to get your act together. Not everybody can look like pastors. I'm just messing. You go to the gym, beef your body up, and next thing you know, you're out of church because you fell in love with yourself. That's pretty sick. You fell in love with your own muscles in the mirror. This is tough preaching, but it's the truth. need to fall in love with him. Take care of the body. Don't misunderstand me. Exercise profit of little, but it does profit. Some of y'all could use some of that profit. We should take care of our body. We should eat right. This is the temple. You want to know how to lose weight? Quit spending money, first of all. It don't work. I'm going to tell you right now how to lose weight. Just like that. Stop all sugars. Stop all carbs. What's the other thing? No. Oh, and get off dairy. I smell most of you. Get off dairy. No sugars, no carbs, no dairy, and your life will change forever. That's right. Two years ago, I put cream in my coffee. I'd get up here and preach. I'd be one-third of the way through my message, and I felt like I needed to go lay down. I'm done. 
I didn't know what it was. My wife said I was getting fat, so she took me off. You didn't say that? I must have been looking at myself. And I said, boy, you getting fat. I got off that stuff. Next thing I know, I could stand here and preach to y'all for an hour and 20 minutes and feel like I could go another hour. My voice would hold up. I found out it was, it was the dairy doing that. Do you know that humans is the only animal species that keeps drinking milk after they're weaned? There is no other animal. Now, I know we're not animals, but you understand what I'm talking about. I'm losing you. My God, I can feel it. I, I can feel it. I'm, like, I'm losing you. Don't leave. Don't leave. We ain't done. I want you to come down to the front. It's 115. Come on. Bring your purses, ladies. We got thieves in here. Bring your purses. I want all the church to come down. Come on. Don't clog up my aisles. Come all the way up to where I am. Come up to me. We're going to make a covenant before God. If you're here and you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, this is the best time for it to happen right now. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, this is the best time. Don't clog up my aisles. Don't stop at the aisle. Don't stop at the aisle. Keep coming. Come on. I'm not going to bite you. I done bit. I bit as hard as I'm going to bite. I'm done biting. Come on. Some of y'all going the wrong way. Come on, bring it in. We're going to pray. I know this kind of preaching don't produce the best altar calls, but it's still necessary. It's still necessary. I barely touched on some of the things that need to be preached and ministered to. Peter says, let our adorning not be the outward of the plaiting of the hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on apparel, but the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. God knows this cost. He understands this sacrifice cost. But he also knows the difference that will make in your life and the lives of so many other people. He said, for after this manner in the old time, watch this, the holy women also who trusted God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. Titus says, young men, likewise exhort, be sober-minded, and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing them corruptness, uh, gra- uh, gravity, gra- gravity, 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 ah, and serenity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that... Uh, that he that is of contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. What? You live this way so that men cannot speak evil of you. Now they might speak evil of you, but it will be lies. Peter said, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. I want our men to be men and our women to be women so that when 
those who are bound by those spirits come through those doors, they will meet such a force of the power of God that they can be delivered and set free from that deception and lie. Families are so sick today that they're letting their three and four year old boys wear dresses because they want them to grow up and figure out their own identity. They are destroying this world, destroying these kids and these families. Satan is disintegrating our families. And the church is the only hope that the world has. And I'm not trying, I'm not talking about being ugly or rude or mean. We love people. Are we still being recorded? Then? All right, so I want you guys to know we love homosexuals, lesbians, even those who are of bestiality and every immoral sin on the planet. But we hate sin. And we will preach this until the coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've been talking to the Lord. Can Pastor be honest with you? And I, I try not to have you standing. I've been asking God. I remember back on Forest Hill, and I know some of our problem is the, you know, we don't have any exposure. But you people are the greatest witnesses in the world. So we can bring people in, right? We can bring family and coworkers and enemies bring them into the house of God but I've been talking to the Lord God what's going on I don't see people praying through and I don't and the Lord began to deal with me and he reminded me of that young reckless kid 20 years ago on Forest Hill when we were running about 700 and he reminded me of a young man that didn't fear the faces of men and preached the word but preached it in love and compassion and God began to deal with me he said son I like your pretty sermons they're nice but I prefer you just preach my word my people need to hear my word we're living in the end times there is an onslaught coming against us like we have never faced in all of our life. Our children, we're losing our kids. They're getting caught up in this world system. Like never before, they need to hear the word of God preached into their lives. Why it's important to live the way we live and do the things that we do. And why it is, why it is the word of God and to be strong and straightforward. I don't mean rude and ugly. It's got to be preached with love and compassion. You have to reach people with the love of God and the compassion of God. But I'm telling you, God is calling some of us to a higher plane with him. Many of us have been religious, even filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in his name. But God is trying to call you up into a relationship with him. And that's going to require some separation. From the world, and it's going to require that we begin to make changes in our life that maybe we didn't really think were necessary, or you know, just didn't quite follow. We kind of walked the fence, and I see so many 
of these wonderful people that you're so close and God's just trying to pull you over and you make up all kinds of justifications and the Lord speaks to me right now and says one of the main justifications of why you wear some of the jewelry you wear is uh, out of um, sentimentalism. Well, mom gave this to me. Grandma gave this to me. My husband gave this to me. Yeah, well, Jesus is your husband. Jesus is everything to you. And I'm not trying to be mean or rude, and this may only be for one person. The rest of you may get scot-free. But God's speaking to someone that you won't cross that line and you're making excuses of why you won't do it. And God is wanting to use you in such a great way. And you're saying, God can't use me if I'm... Yes, he could, except for your knowledge. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him in his sin. And because he knows where it's at in your heart. So it's not even what's on you, it's what's in you. That's what he's trying to fix. And the only way to get to that is to get to the other things because that's what's holding those things on. And that's what he's trying to fix. Okay. Put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder, if you will. And we're going to, we're just going to make a covenant before the Lord. What a, what a beautiful crowd here today. But I, I'm, I'm waiting for the day in the near future when I, I can't even call us down anymore because there's just no room. We just got to kind of stay where we're at because we're so packed. And we just make the whole entire auditorium into an altar call. I feel the holiness of God sweeping across this congregation right now. Ladies, listen to Pastor. Keep your mind on God, but listen to me. I cannot even begin to tell you how important you are to God's kingdom. You're the foundation and the strength of our homes. You are the teacher of our children. Angels rest upon your uncut hair. The Bible tells us in Corinthians chapter 11, you're special. The fact that you're willing to come out and to separate yourself. Listen to pastor. Ladies, you are compared to the church. You represent what the church means to Christ. Your adorning is how Christ looks at the church in the world. It's why he puts these special uh, uh, commands upon you. It's because of what you represent in the world today. And and they and listen, when a man and a woman walks in, in into a, a grocery store, men we just look like men no matter how we dress right we can dress as godly as we want we just look like men but ladies oh my god you stand out and I don't mean in an ugly way they see you a mile off and I want to tell you it's the glory of God and listen to me the only time they get a bad spirit is because there's a devil in them or a demon on them that hates holiness but all the rest of the men and women out there who, who aren't bound by these things but they're looking for God and they see that you know what enters their mind there's a child of God there's a lady of God you know how often somebody comes up to you and says oh I can see you're a Christian I can see you serve God I can see you love him that's why God has us doing these things ladies we need you the church needs you stay strong Everybody that knows you needs you. Your family needs you. Your friends, your co-workers, they need you. Come on. 
Come on, let the glory of God rest upon you. Don't give that up. Don't give that away. Quit fighting what God's calling you to be and do. Because when you get upon your knees, there is no power like your power. There is no force like the force of a godly mother, a godly sister, a godly woman who's turned herself over to God, who's given her soul, her flesh, her mind, her body to God. When you begin to pray, the power of God falls. The anointing of God begins to flow. I'm telling you, mountains are removed. Oh yes, healing flows. It's incredible what rests upon you. Oh sisters, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, stay strong, stay faithful, stay separated, stay holy. Oh yes, leave that hair uncut. Let the angels rest upon it. You're the ark of God. You're the glory of God. The mercy seat sits upon you. The angels are there. The glory of God rests upon you. Come on, that's it. Let's talk to him for a moment. Pastors in the word. Pastors in the word. Pastors in the Word. It's the Word of God. Oh, yes, it is. It's the Word of God. Come on, men. I need to hear your voices. I need to hear your prayers. Let the men begin to cry out. Ladies, don't stop. I need to, you need to help us. We need help. Come on, guys. You got to call out to God. He commands us to step up. He commands us to be obedient to Him. He commands us to live righteously and soberly. Come on. You got to stop that gambling. You got to stop that drinking. You got to stop that pornography. You got to stop this stuff. You got to begin to live righteously and soberly in the presence of God. We got to make a difference. He's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. He said, be you holy where I am holy. You got to be holy in your conversation you got to be holy in your attitude come on you got to be strong in your spirit don't let that devil attack your family don't let that devil come into your home come on we got to lay down our own lust we got to lay it down we got to walk before God we got to be that man of God Jesus Jesus, visit us. Jesus, I'm asking you, visit us. Come amongst us, Lord. Let your anointing come upon us. Let your power rest upon us right now. Let your glory flow across this congregation. How we love you. How we praise you. We covenant with you today. Oh God, we're going to step out. We're going to step up. We're going to do what's right. We're going to live right. Oh, your grace. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace is upon us. Your grace is teaching us your grace your grace we're going to be that man we're going to be that woman we're going to be that church we're going to be the church we're going to be the church we're going to be the church we're going to walk in love we're going to walk in power oh yes we are we're going to walk with compassion oh yes we are Jesus 
I love you. I praise you. I adore you, Lord. I glorify you. I glorify you. Now listen to pastor. God is calling you up. It's time to take that step. Grace has been working in your life. He's been doing wonderful things in your life. But now God has come to you. We got the core of the church, but God's asking others of you to join this core and to step up and let him help you cleanse your flesh and your spirit. Let's be the church. Let's be the church in love. Let's be the church in compassion. Let's be the church in righteousness and holiness and walking in this world. Can you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. Young people, you got to get a hold of God. You've got to make up your mind that you're going you're gonna to live for God because of you. Because there's going to come a day mom can't bring you to church. Dad, you're on your own. You got to get this in your heart. You got to get this in your spirit. You got to get it in your soul. You have to make.